On today's episode, we're going to talk about scaling your business from zero to one million and even beyond. Understanding the principles of outbound sales and being patient in sales. It just takes time. Let's go. This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Today, we have author Aaron Ross. He is uh, known for writing one of the best business books for startups, entrepreneurs, and business professionals. Some call it the sales bible of Silicon Valley, called Predictable Revenue. He's now launching his new book, From Impossible to Inevitable. Aaron, how's your day going? (laughs) Uh, chaotic. Yeah. That's just generally how it goes. Yep. That's life. But we keep getting back up and we keep going at it. So without further ado, before we start the podcast and all the heavy hitting questions, I have to start the podcast the same way I do every single time. And that's with an icebreaker. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat and what are you going to order in order to make your day complete? Uh, okay. Let's see. Well, I live in Los Angeles, the West side, and we have a lot of like interesting, it's all kinds of places to eat here. So, you know, I, I have a simple vice, like a simple buy coffee nice. and I haven't been having it much lately. And just one of these simple pleasures where I don't necessarily need a lot of fit. Now, if I'm going out with my wife, I would have a different answer. So that would be like, because I'm married with nine kids. So going on a date is actually like a big deal. Yes, you're getting away to do that. So if we if we go that route, my answer would be place like, uh, um, you know, a nice restaurant. Honestly, it doesn't really matter what it is. Wine and cheese night. Right, because it's great fun. If it's just me, there's a place called Creation Cafe. It's like a juice smoothie, like food place, or, you know, organic, blah, blah. But they have this crazy um, coffee mix it's like a cold coffee called loaded gun it's just really really good it's a simple pleasure so those would be the two answers very a cool co- like a certain this fancy coffee just for me or like a wine and cheese out with my wife if it was uh us together well i'm a, I'm a wine a, guy myself so i have to ask the question do you have a bottle in mind or do you have a style of wine in mind that you'd be having that night um you know no, you should might get a, a, a something white. Not we're not red fans, or a couple glasses of champagne, like one or two drinks each. We don't okay. drink very often. Just so what I find is I'm I'm getting older and more tired. Again, with a big family, I have alcohol just makes me tired. <laughs> yeah. Generally. yeah, I hear you. So I hear you. Yeah, once the kids are a bit older, because all the kids are from range uh, like nine months to nineteen years old. So when there's more of them out of the house, we have I have more energy. And one of them sickly, so it could be more fun. But right now, it just basically makes me tired. So maybe once a month, we have yeah. something to drink. Well, it's good that you're sticking in the white region. That's my particular area yep. of, uh, of of likeness too. Um, but before we, I, I want to ask a lot of questions about predictable revenue. You know, the idea of like what is that concept? Um, some people may not have ever heard of it or even read the book. So I want to uh, start there. But before we get into that, um, Aaron, if you could just Briefly tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, you just give us a, a quick synopsis and a brief summary of, of who you are as a person. Um, sure. I'll, again, I'm 
as I'm getting older, there's more stuff. So I'm gonna keep it as brief as I can. I think what I'm known for is creating the outbound prospecting, outbound sales team at salesforce.com from scratch, right? Which helped them almost double how fast they're growing and helped add in a few years, a hundred million extra revenue. And by now, uh, at least more than a billion, I'm sure. So I worked there from like 2002 to 2004. Before that, I had a company that failed. So I went from, like, I think in this case, it's important is I had a company that failed. One of the reasons I didn't know sales as a CEO, I hired a VP of sales, but I, I advocated my understanding rather than delegate. So I went to salesforce.com to learn. And I think that was really important to not let my ego get in the way of going from like being a CEO to the only job they had there was in sales, which is what I wanted to do, basically answer the 800 line. So I did that, left Salesforce in 2006, did a whole bunch of different things for a while, published predictable revenue a few years later. Uh, and since then, basically since left, leaving Salesforce, you know, the thing that my, uh, my specialty, what I'm known for is helping companies build outbound prospecting teams and programs that help them grow faster. Mm. Uh, and along the way, I got married and got married uh, six years ago. And I had zero kids six years ago. So going from zero to nine kids, it's, that's hyperscaling a family. It yeah, might be a different yeah. book someday versus hyperscaling business. <laughs> that's so true. That's an interesting concept, uh, an interesting concept for a book. You know, if you can tie the two together behind uh, raising a family and, and in scale and then doing a uh, you know book about that. But but let's talk about a little bit about the, the book that. Well, by the way, most anyone who has kids is listening to like, why would you want to do that? It's John. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, no, I can tell because you can tell people. Who, yeah, people who have kids have different reactions. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, so, I, I don't. I don't have any kids, so I can't speak to that. But um, you know, but but I, I applaud the. Uh, the, the constraint of time that you've been able to fit all the uh, all the extracurricular activities and business activities all in the same boat. So kudos to you, my man. <laughs> yeah, no. An old friend asked me today. He's like, "Hey, you still keeping that twenty five twenty five hour work week?" I'm like, I don't think I can work if I. Uh, it's impossible to work more than like fifteen hours a week, mm. and I, I have to work. I I I'm not early enough. So I didn't make much money there. And I have to work to uh, to pay the bills, probably like everyone listening. So I know that I know the feeling. Even though you know the bills, just big family is it's just shocking how much it costs, especially in West LA. No, oh, sure. But it's great motivation, partly with the new book from Impossible to Inevitable. I actually write about there. there so the, here, there is a parallel. One of the parallels is came um, back to the story was you know when I was single. I could sort of work as much as I wanted to and get by and like use my free time to do projects, like passion projects. Um, but when I got married in 2011, I had this moment of, oh shit, I need to make more money in a more predictable way because I have, I have a family. So we had two kids, you know, there's two kids from her prior marriage. She got pregnant right away on purpose. I, I, you know, from by me and so that really, that did totally change things. And that's when I, I really, I, had to focus on uh, um, building it and growing it, and you know, in four years, I, I 10x my income to mm. not not less. It was less than a million dollars, but it was a lot because yeah. uh, just we kept growing the family. We adopted, we had more kids, and uh, almost half the kids are adopted, which is expensive. And 
So in that case, there is a lot of parallels where um, having big family and big bills was the motivation. It just it's like he pushes me to always be growing. How am I going to make more money? It's been just been challenged me to get off my duff to get stay uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable for years in terms of growing and challenging myself in the business. It's working, but I, that's why I've seen a lot of companies. Uh, you know, it's easy to get comfortable on people. It's easy to get stuck in a rut, and that comfort really is the enemy of growth. Mm, interesting. So that uh, I wrote about that with Jason Lemkin in the new book, The Impossible Book. In terms of motivation, it was a great forcing function, and that's something I've seen. I just see most people and companies need their forcing functions to. Now, nothing like nothing makes the world go round like deadlines. Nothing makes the world go round like inescapable deadlines. Hmm. Like when you say, so here's an example. Uh, okay, you want to lose weight, or get stronger, or get fit. Great. You know, a you join a gym. B, you sign up for a marathon and tell all your friends you're going to do it. Hmm. Right? That's a forcing function. So when you can you can do those things to basically create external motivation when you need it, because we all need some, except for my wife. My wife is a self-driven maniac. <laughs> uh, I'm not that way. I've never been that way. I need, um, you know, external motivation really helps me do the best I can. And for me, that usually looks like public deadlines to publish a book, to uh, do a talk, to launch a thing. And that ultimately, going back to uh, before you even get your questions, those are some of the things that really helped crystallize the books I've written, like Predictable Revenue from Impossible, where doing things like public talks and, and publishing drafts and just keeping that rhythm going and not letting my, myself get uh, comfortable yeah. or just force myself to just keep keep doing it, keep doing it. Oh that, no, that's great. I mean, I, I've I've read a lot and and I've, I've watched a lot of your presentations, um, and and I love your ability to just uh, captivate an audience and 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 be calm, cool, and collect. No matter uh, whether it's a hundred <laughs> people in a room or you know ten thousand people in a room, um, but one of the hardest things to do in business is sales, and I love the concept of this new uh, cold calling 2.0 initiative that you have going on. But the short, straight to the point answer, 5 million to 100 million. How can we as business owners or startup founders, how can we do that for our business or even go from zero to, to, to a million? How can we apply the principles of and the things that you've learned to our business today? Yep. Well, let's talk about the zero to a million, because that's really what I'm assuming almost everyone listening is probably in that boat, and it's the harder one. Um, you know, going from five to 100 million, you can't get there without a, a great, great product and great, great team. And you know, it's like everyone writes about that. But I think if you can get to five million, it's a lot. It, it's a lot easier to get from five to from five million to ten or twenty million than from zero to one. That's really hard. So, the uh, here's one answer for actually for both. Now, predictable revenue. The book talks in detail about how uh, I created this outbound prospecting team at Salesforce, the techniques and how it helped basically generate as many um, 
help us generate as many qualified appointments as we needed to grow sales pipeline and to grow revenue. Because if you can generate predictable lead generation or predictable qualified appointments, you create predictable revenue. But in the six or so years since that book came out, since predictable revenue came out, I learned a lot about when outbound works and doesn't, when you're trying to grow, when it works and you, it doesn't. And so when we did the new book, the From Impossible to Inevitable book, the first chapter, it's called, part, you know, part, it's really seven parts, and each has a painful truth. And part one, uh, the painful truth is you're, the reason you're struggling to grow is because you're not ready to grow. Right? And you're not ready to grow until you nail a niche. So this is the most common reason people struggle either getting to a million or actually even getting from five to a hundred million or to, to get your growth ignited. So here's the important thing to consider. When you're getting off the ground, you rely on your networks and your people who know you and word of mouth and customer referrals and that as you should. But those kinds of, of leads are different, right? They're, they're incredibly valuable. Right, because they know you, there's some trust involved, they're more likely to close and buy and so on. But they can be a, a crutch. Because hmm. if you get to five million based on all on that, and you you can't, there's this plateau, and you know, like a million to a, a 10 million range, or where your referrals generate your business and you get, but you get, you plateau. To get past that, you need to learn how to market and sell to people who have not heard of you or your brand. Like cold generation. In this case, I've learned this through cold prospecting, but it could be through Facebook ads. It could be any kind of channel. And here's the challenge: marketing and selling to people who, where there's some kind of prior relationship, right? There's a referral. They've heard about you, right? That compared to to marketing and selling to people who've never heard of you or your brand, it's not, you know, like this. It's like it's a it's a it's a huge difference. People vastly underestimate how much harder it is market and sell to people who haven't heard of you. This is why it can take six months, 18 months, three years sometimes to figure that out. So usually again, if you're struggling to grow, it's because you're not ready to grow. It's because your, your product, if it's a product business, you haven't really nailed it in terms of what it needs to do or you haven't nailed the messaging. Who is it really for and what do they care about? If it's a services business, it could be the same thing. Um, so ultimately, you. You can nail a niche. How's how you know how you nail it? If you have sold, let's say, ten customers who who didn't know you, where the relationship wasn't this the 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 appointment and the sale weren't dependent on the relationship, right? Where the product stood up on its own, they're not doing it as a favor, or where they're they're hiring your service not because of your reputation, which is important and you should use it. But they're like, wow, you know, this this service obviously stands on its own, and the, re the reputation's nice. So it's like the product has to stand on its own. The the messages have to speak to their pains, mm. and you have to really be able to focus on a certain kind of customer. So here's probably the simplest idea, which is if you have ten or twenty or fifty customers, understanding um, you as a product or company are not a nice to have. Right? You as a company are not a need to have. To which kinds of customers are you a nice to have, and to which are you a need to have? Where those earlier entrepreneurs, well, most companies go wrong is you're just you're just trying to sell on marketing. Anyone who could you, and most of that you're just wasting your time and energy versus focusing on really 
specifically what kinds of companies need us and focusing on that being much more targeted because if if you're a nice to have or when you're a nice to have they're not going to buy because there's always some other priority that comes up and knocks you off when you're a need to have people will go through the the energy and the work it takes because it's work to evaluate and buy and use and report on whatever it is you're doing so that's probably the simplest idea to, to you can you need to be because a niche is not about being small it's about being focused and you really need to focus on where do people need you the most because that's where you're going to buy you know you, you know if you're a nice to have if you do de a demo you know do all these demos and people you just say wow that's so cool and they don't buy that's nice to have so you so I guess uh, in that same breath, a nice to have versus a need to have, is there any particular thing that you can do for your business to make it a must have? Well, it's, it's, uh, you want to be a big fish in a small pond and it's easier to make the pond smaller than the fish bigger. Mm. So in other words, it can be a lot of work to change your product, to change your service. Sometimes you do need to remodel your company in order to make your, it ready to grow, right? Getting that product, service, or whatever it is right. Um, but in the short term, it's a lot easier to say, all right, we've sold to financial services, we've sold to healthcare, or big company, small company. Of all kinds of companies we've sold to, where are we most needed? Who got the most value? Where was the most obvious pain that they saw us solving? and trying to be more insightful, and more targeted around who to go after. That's the easiest way to start. Because, I mean, honestly, even um, it, a lot of companies, especially services business, it can take years to remodel the packages and the company to be more growth-oriented. Not only because it can be hard to figure it out, but people are busy, you know, it's just hard. So start with targeting. So the book that you originally wrote, that kind of launched what it is that you have going on today um, was made in 2011. Do you, yeah, do you that's think that's a predictable revenue book? Yep. Do you think a lot of the uh, the strategies and tactics that were originally discussed are still relevant today? Uh, yes, for sure. Um, but I will say it's the best book to start with is the From Impossible to inevitable has the beginning is all about how to nail a niche because that was the part missing from predictable revenue mm. um, or you could get that chapter free from impossible.com right so this how to nail a niche is like when people struggle with outbound or struggle to grow like what's that missing piece most the most common reason well the wrong people is one of them but really the most common reason they hadn't nailed a niche right so that's why that's important the predictable revenue book and went into detail about these outbound prospecting techniques and they still work today. I mean, that's uh, really what I, I and my company do. We still use a lot of the same techniques. Now that things have evolved, outbound prospecting is, it's gotten hot a lot in part a lot because of the predictable revenue book. But we still send, you know, we, we have, we uh, help companies, we do prospecting for them if they're not ready to build their own team. And if you're ready to build, into, it's really the long-term solution is building your own team. And when they're ready to build their own team, uh, I actually have a couple of other coaches help them do that in a way that they get it right. There's a lot of mistakes people make. 
but it's outbound prospecting is bigger than ever actually. And I don't see that changing. Yeah. So a lot of the, uh, so in, in your newer book, you have multiple case studies. Um, and I believe I could be wrong, but the co-writer of your new book, um, is also, it was echo sign, correct? Uh, Jason Lemkin, yeah, yeah, who was who founded EchoSign. Yeah, and and so um, they went from zero to 144 million in seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, w- what were some techniques that you were impressed or implemented within their company in particular um, that was able to propel them to exponential growth in the seven-year time period? Yep. Well, by the way, if anyone doesn't follow Jason. Uh, I'd highly recommend, he's probably the number one SaaS writer, so software as a service writer out there. Um, Jason Lemkin, saster.com, you should put it in the show notes, but he writes a lot about this. EchoSign, um, he also writes about all the mistakes he made, right? Because he made all the mistakes, just like everybody. So one of the things they did that comes to mind, you know, they generated a lot of inbound leads. So here's what they did right, and here's what they did wrong. In his mind, what he said, they generated a ton of inbound leads, right? Through marketing, through having trials, um, probably a partnership with Salesforce. Again, they had teams using this, and you know when they're using EchoSign to sign contracts, other people are seeing it. So they they were able to get a lot of inbound leads going, and the first one of the first VPs of sales he hired didn't work out, so he also um, got a great VP of sales, right? That's probably one of his biggest things is how do you get the right VP of sales? Or how do you know when you have the wrong person? And so we took some of those uh, highlights and put them in the From Impossible book. But when he had lots of leads coming in, when he had the wrong VP of sales, they were struggling. When they got uh, the right VP of sales, they like doubled revenue within 90 days and they um, upgraded the team and just like magic happened. So that was some of the things he did right early on, getting inbound leads coming and then a right basically right executive there. One of the things he said he missed was he didn't really appreciate the value of something outbound until much later, until sort of he was done. So they never did a, a, a focused outbound prospecting program, which again, now people, I think again, because the book realized, wow, we can, we can, we can double our company's growth rate, but that's something they just missed out on, but they still did pretty well. So you can't complain. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so, you have multiple case studies uh, in the in the book itself, and um, and it goes from companies as I mean I don't know if you would consider EchoSign a relatively small company, but I, I know Zenefits is also within you uh, in the book as well. Was there any type of commonality, um, or was there any type of similarities between all the companies that you talked about um, that, that and mentioned within the book? Well, uh, you know, there's. Some of the case studies were companies that went to 100 million plus, or HubSpot was one. And some of the companies we had, some that were smaller, one called Avenue, it's just that for variety. Cause, so, you know, with these companies that go to 100 million plus, you always have leadership and a CEO who they want to go big no matter what, because that's what you just have to do. And honestly, that's not every company. So I think there's probably a lot of people out there who feel like if they're not going for a $100 million company, like, why bother? So to me, I really feel like entrepreneurs should think about, do you, do you want to build a growth company or do you want to build a simple company or simple but profitable? There's no right answer. A growth company is where growth really is the main priority. 
you you may not want to grow to 100 million or a billion. You might want to grow to 20 million. Or but you know growth is important. And what that means is, um, for example, outbound prospecting. You if you need to hire someone, say you've never hired salespeople before, but you should hire salespeople. You feel like ah I don't know. There's a lot of entrepreneurs or more techie like it's uncomfortable. We don't want to sell. Okay, if that means you're sort of avoiding something you need to do because it's scary, you're nervous, you don't, it's not familiar. A growth company means you need to just get over it and do what you need to do, which would in this case be hire, build a sales team. Uh, a simple company means simply, you, know, you just want to keep it simple. You're not trying to maximize growth. You're okay making less money. You might want to grow, but it's more important that you're, it might be a, a lifestyle business or it might be, um, there's lots of, I don't know, there's all kinds of businesses, but growth isn't the most important thing. So, so it's sort of like what kind of, really there's probably more versions of companies, but like what kind of company do you want to create? I think is the starting point. And those the big ones want to go big. And so they made it happen. It's hard, it's stressful, it takes five to ten years. Right? That's part of the book on the journey, five to ten years to some kind of exit. Um, but that's one of the commonalities, like people defining what they want and going for it, hmm. regardless of what the challenges are. My, I, I know uh, we're ending uh, relatively short in our time period here together, but I, I wanted to ask one final major question, um, and it's particularly the most important for for blind entrepreneurs, people who may be temporarily lost and completely blind in business. They may not be able to see the obvious. They could be people who uh, are struggling in sales, and they don't know how to hire the, the, the next person or where to find the next sale. Um, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur that is temporarily blind in their business? Sure. Uh, okay, so first, if you're a smaller sort of an entrepreneur and you haven't done much selling yourself, every CEO needs an entrepreneur needs to have been involved in selling, like in sales cycles at least 10, you know, the first 10 companies or 20, whether you're doing it all yourself, whether you're doing it with someone else, because if you don't have that, you're not going to know how to hire someone. You're not going to know how to train them. You're not going to know what they should be doing, right? You need to be able to get your hands dirty in sales and not, you know, it's common <clears throat> for good reasons. People think, oh, sales is kind of this dirty thing. I don't want to do it. And uh, I don't, I don't, you don't know it. So you're, it's uncomfortable. Just embrace it. That's something you have. Whether you'd want to do a simple company, growth company, you, you are shooting yourself in the foot if you don't. Speaking from experience, I shot myself in the foot a long, long time ago. <laughs> and, and as I mentioned, a, a company that w went out of business because I didn't know it. So again, if you don't know sales, if you haven't done it with your company, it's just hard. Like, How are you going to hire someone? Because that's one of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make is hiring a salesperson Right? You sort of sell, and you're like, I don't want to do this. I want to get somebody to do it for me. And you bring them in, and then it, they don't, it doesn't work out, whether they're a VP or a radio salesperson. Because you didn't, you just wanted to like not do it, rather than doing it right. So think about doing yourself first until you, you're comfortable. Bring in a, usually like a junior person to do the appointment setting for you next, before you hire a more senior person to take it on. That's sort of like the lowest path to risk. It's not the fastest path to growth, but it's like the lowest risk. Um, another one is it's, it's hard to build a big business out of small deals. Mm. 
right? So if you sell a $20 a month thing, um, or you know, $200 a month B2B, as soon as you can go up market and doing bigger deal sizes, you know, from 100 to 150 or 150 to 300 or $1,000, like as soon as you can do that, you're gonna, it'll be easier for you to make money. That's one of the things I did was just sort of double and double and my prices just went up over time. And people, I think a lot of early entrepreneurs feel insecure about that or nervous about it. But it's, it's, it's hard to build a big business out of small deals. So how do you increase your deal size? And uh, I just the last thing I touched on, but I want to re repeat on sales and, and entrepreneurship is it takes a long time. So part five of the From Impossible book, the painful truth is um, whatever that big goal is, it's going to take years long. So be prepared to do the, do the time, right, to, to go through the journey. It takes If you're doing a SaaS company, it could take two or three years to get it off the ground to even know is this going to work or not in some way. It can take five or ten years to get to some kind of exit. So those expectations are so important. So you, when when everything is feeling like you're going is going to shit, nothing's working. Just realizing that's part of the journey everyone goes through. It's not that means something. It doesn't mean something's wrong. It doesn't mean you should quit. Um, it just means you should have a better. Uh, a lot of us have misset expectations on how long things take because we're surrounded by stories of fast success which are really abnormal. Hmm. Very good. Well, I love all of the, the, uh, the energy and the advice that you gave for all of us today. And you know, I really appreciate your time. So thank you. You, uh, you successfully completed the podcast. So uh, <laughs> kudos to you. The next 30 seconds is all yours. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody about how they can learn more about uh, you, how they could be a part of your journey, how they could buy the book, etc. Uh, sure. Well, again, the, the best place to start, I think, if you haven't seen it, is fromimpossible.com. It's just a site for the for the book with links to where you can get it. Also, a free chapter, the nail and niche chapter. So, fromimpossible.com. And besides that, if you're interested in or know someone who wants to build an outbound prospecting team to speed up your growth, uh, sort of me and everything we do is we're at uh, predictablerevenue.com. Predictablerevenue.com. If, by the way, too, I, for fun, I do this um, every once in a while, like a parenting, these funny parenting notes are quite inappropriate. So if you have kids and you're pulling your hair out, if you go to predictablerevenue.com, there's ways to find me. But if you put in a note someplace, it'll get to me and I can add you to the list for my inappropriate parenting notes. <laughs> Definitely. I might need that one day. So I'll, 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 without a doubt, sign up. <laughs> yeah. One one of the sub one of the newsletters was like the title subject was kids kids with ass cancer. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, love it, man. Well, I, I I'm sure they're beautifully written too. Uh, no. yes, it'll be another book someday. It's sort of like a a, a tester list for ideas around a future parenting book. Nice. I'm 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 mostly an author at heart, entrepreneur author. So I just I love books. I I I like that there's a beginning and end. The endless blogs and things just seem all overwhelming. So I just, I do feel like I'm a book person and um, feel like uh, the future in today and the future is this sort of sea of overwhelming information. So things like nailing a niche is actually how you help people cut through the clutter, whether they're prospects or salespeople. And for me, books are help, you know, the best way I feel like to help people cut through the clutter 
myself and others to like what are some of these best ideas in one place yeah. so i like books no totally um some of the best uh best ways to get advice uh is never through a random blog of 500 words it's to uh, sit down and get inside the mind of somebody like yourself or uh you know so another person who has written a book so i really appreciate it and, and i can say as a true testimonial the book um you know the first book that you that you wrote predictable revenue is uh one of the books that i kind of just uh read uh, one of the first as an entrepreneur and really Really propelled me professionally and personally to just think more clearly about sales. So um, huge, huge uh, honor to, to be talking to you today. So thank you. Um, to those of you who are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Uh, head over to the uh, head over to the Blind Entrepreneur for more interviews, and don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. The button's over here. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, being blind in business is temporary. And I hope after listening to the wisdom of Aaron today, you are now able to see more clearly. Go out there and execute your vision. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much for watching this video. Don't forget to follow me on any and all social media platforms using the long last name above, followed by the letter J. If you want to get lost into the dark abyss of YouTube, click either left or right for another video. And finally, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. No, seriously, don't forget.